Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. Hello and welcome to episode 119 of Drink the Movies. I am Brian here as always with Michaela. And Michaela, uh, in terms of the movies, this is a pretty important week. This is a this is the Super Bowl of all movies week for the year, at least for mm-hmm. anybody who pays any attention to the Academy uh, of Motion Picture Sciences. That's right. Yeah, it is Oscar week 2023. Uh, we are we are here with you. This is our third Oscars uh, together on Drink the Movies. Michaela, we did we did one kind of, you know, like right off the bat, we had just kind of gotten our feet wet into podcasting. And then last year, uh, we went through and uh, did a whole big blowout for the Oscars. And this year, uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, nothing, nothing less but the best from us. We've got our Oscar Pick'em contest going. That's pretty exciting. We made our way through all 55 or 54 of the films uh, this year, uh, you know, in all the categories. Uh, you know, we did our best to see these. We got to see a lot of these in the movie theater uh, this year, Michaela. That's That definitely hasn't been the case, you know, since we started Drink the Movies, you know, maybe one or two at most. But I feel like we uh, tackled a lot of these in the theater this year. We sure did. And it also helped that um, the shorts... Uh, the animated shorts, the live action shorts. Um, I even think the documentary shorts are out there somewhere, but certain uh, theaters were hosting that. Um, so that was really neat because um, I feel like the shorts categories, they get the short haha end of the stick uh, because a lot of people don't watch them. They don't make it to big screens very often. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of exciting that we were able to see quite a few of those on the big screens as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I think... I don't want to say that things are completely back to the way they were pre-COVID from a movie perspective, but it's feeling like we're 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 getting very close. We're getting eighty percent there. Um, and in the last year, we've discovered our independent uh, picture house in Charlotte. Uh, mm-hmm. Any of you local to Charlotte, please go support local theater. Um, the independent picture house is really cool. Um, it, it, they've got really small, intimate screen settings, uh, which is really great, and they make it a point to uh, highlight some films that may have gotten Oscar nominations and Oscar accolades, but aren't hugely, you know, cinematic triumphs in the box office. So mm-hmm. um, really, really cool there. Really glad we were able to, uh, we were to do all of those things again, like, like normal people. <laughs> that's like in the that's right. Times. It felt very, very much like we were uh, back to normal in some instances there. And yeah, got to uh, got the chance to see um, almost all of these. And we're going to kind of run through our, and make our picks, you know, just like we do uh, every year. We're going to do them live here. We're going to be committed to these a uh, couple of couple of caveats there. But um, yeah, we've got the Oscars coming uh, March 12th. Uh, so this coming Sunday, if you're listening to this live, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time, Jimmy Kimmel is going to be back uh, doing the host duties hosted in 2017 2018 and then uh back again uh for this year so michaela uh the plan is anyway i'm going to be coming over to your house we do our annual little oscar party we're going to have some red carpet down uh hopefully if uh you and your husband can get that down in time i'm going to come over you're going to welcome me with a welcome cocktail we're going to mix one of those up we'll probably do a little bit of a patreon hangout uh, kind of short to mix up that drink and uh chat about some stuff on the red carpet and then yeah get into watching the show and we'll see how everyone's picks come along uh, but, you know, Michaela, before we get into all that, what we need to do is we need to go and mix up a cocktail because we're going to need a little bit of liquid courage to go out on the limbs that we're going to have to go out on to make these picks for Oscars 2023. So why don't we take a quick break and we'll be right back to whip up our dueling cocktails. 
This week, we both decided to bring our A game uh, to uh, B plus a cocktail for me. Perspective. B plus. B plus. Oh, okay. Um, well, I brought my A game. Uh, okay. I brought my Sunday brunch A game. <laughs> so right. we uh, the the goal was to have something that was uh, very worthy of an Oscar cocktail. Um, I think yours is probably. Uh, I, I don't know why you would say B game because I think yours is probably going to be amazing. Um, mm. Mine is uh, someone had it and thought it was amazing, but they also thought that it was just kind of a, a trumped up uh, mimosa. And perhaps okay. that's true. Um, it, it I found mine on the Simply Recipes website. Um, and what you're going to need are three things, which is great, uh, which is great when you're um, drinking a lot of them on Oscar Sunday, trying to pick out the best uh, films of the year. Um, so what you're going to do is you're going to take one and a half ounces of pineapple juice and then half an ounce of mango juice or nectar. Um, mango is key here because it's going to create the mouthfeel that makes this thing absolutely delectable. Um, we did a mango cocktail a couple of weeks ago and yeah, it, it had some mango Pinocchio. nectar in it for mm -hmm. Pinocchio and it was splendid. It was absolutely one of the best cocktails we have done in probably the history of drink the movies mm, uh definitely yep. 2023 so um so this was my inspiration as uh as, as i was looking for stuff so you're gonna take both of those your pineapple and mango juice you're gonna put that in a champagne glass and then you're gonna add as much brute cava as you would like um you could do prosecco if you don't want to do cava if you want something a little sweeter. If you want it to be super sweet, I guess you could do like an Asti Spumante, but then you're basically just injecting sugar straight into your veins. Um, but either way, something sparkling, something bubbly. If you want to be extra fancy, you can rim your champagne flute with like gold shimmer or a mm -hmm. color that you like. And mm -hmm. um, this is a really beautiful cocktail. Um, it is kind of like a fancy mimosa, but the key here that's going to be different than like a regular orange juice is that mouthfeel because of the the nectar and uh it's absolutely splendid and very sumptuous just oh i i could drink this and drink it and drink it and drink it and yeah uh, that's right yeah that sounds very uh velvety and delicious um so i'm definitely looking forward to trying that uh come red carpet time uh here this week when we finally get together to uh discuss our our oscar nominations in person as the show gets to kick off so uh, i'm going you know kind of down that same route uh you know sort of this uh sparkling wine kind of cocktail um and mine is called the moe golden glamour this was the official cocktail of the 2010 Oscars. And I saw it and I said, that looks delicious. It looks pretty simple to put together because you don't want a bunch of complicated things. You know, Oscar night, you're doing a party or something. You want to keep it, you you want it to have some class, some luxury, but you want it to be simple. You don't want to spend all your time mixing up these complicated cocktails. You need to see what right. everyone's wearing, all the speeches, all this stuff. So this is going to be uh, pretty simple to do. So what you're going to do, um, I like to put mine into a shaker to chill it off just, just a little bit. You don't have to, you could go straight into the glass with this if you want, but um, I like a coupe glass. Uh, for my champagne cocktails, so this is what we're doing. You're going to use a quarter of an ounce of a vanilla liqueur. Uh, Galliano is probably the best one, uh, but you could also use like a liqueur 43 or a Tuaca, uh, basically just any kind of vanilla uh, liqueur. And one and a half ounces of passion fruit juice. Uh, you're going to get that the same place probably where you got the mango juice for Michaela's cocktail. Uh, right up in the front section of your grocery store, they probably have some fresh pressed uh, passion fruit juice. So pick that up. Uh, you're going to put that into your glass, like I said, and then top that with four ounces of sparkling wine. Obviously, this one was made with Moet Chandon, uh, you know, for the Oscars. Uh, you don't have to go that route if you don't want to, but I do think that this cocktail 
you know, normally I'm pretty loose with, you know, kind of the sparkling wine that I use, but I think a, a nice quality, uh, you know, champagne may be optimal, but, um, you know, you could do like a, a Cremant, um, or even like an American sparkling wine if it's a Chardonnay base, but you want really to get that kind of like bready, like yeasty character that you get from a really nice French champagne, because that's, what's going to cut through this vanilla and just bring this balance, uh, together. And then you can garnish that with a mint leaf sip and enjoy, uh, with your tuxedo on or whatever you decide to wear on Oscar nights, uh, spoiler, I'm not going to be wearing a tuxedo, but I am going to look pretty classy. Hold one of these. I think Michaela, you're not going to wear the tuxedo shirt. It's like a serious. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that, that might be a good, that might be a good look and I'll, I'll wear aluminum foil or something and wrap myself Ooh. in it it'll be okay. that'll be great it'll be, that'll, that'll it'll be, be a very be strange um yeah no i think this drink is going to be amazing and i can't wait i can't wait to try it it's very fancy um i think that vanilla liqueur is going to be really umptious mm-hmm. it's going to be a lot yeah. of umptious going on yeah, and it's uh, serving double double duty a little selfishly because we've used Galliano in a cocktail uh, before. Uh, we've also used liquor forty three in a cocktail before, but or that cocktail was no good. So we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about that. Uh, but you have this bottle of uh, vanilla liqueur. What are you gonna do with it? You're gonna make it super fancy. So uh, try yourself a Moet Golden Glamour. Uh, try yourself. What was yours called again, Michaela? Oh, I think they called it a mango mimosa cocktail. Michaela's Mango Mimosa Cocktail. So try one of those. Uh, let us know. Let us know what you're having for your own red carpet uh, get-togethers because we want to know that. And uh, make sure uh, you get your cocktail submitted. Make sure you get your pick submitted because uh, that's what we're going to be doing right now. So, Michaela, why don't we do this? Let's go whip up another one of these cocktails. Uh, we will we will hold our breath. We will cross our fingers, and we will make our picks as best as we can to get started on our 2023 Oscar celebrations. So we'll be right back and get those picks in. Okay. All right. So I have uh, your cocktail in my hand and Excellent. I got to say yours might win. I, from a mm. cocktail perspective, I don't know. This is pretty great. Um, okay. So uh, everybody, all of our listeners are waiting with bated breath as to how we're going to do this now. So for the, for the listeners at home, all the people mm. at home, uh, we are on the, our own individual websites uh, mm-hmm. logging in and locking in our answers. So there's no going back. Drinkthemovies.com. Just drinkthemovies.com. Go there. There's a, there's a link. Uh, you just got to scroll down just, I don't know, just like an inch. And then you can see the link there and it's going to take you to our type form page that has the Oscar Pick'em, uh, contest there. And that's, that's what we're using. We're going to go through and make our picks. That's right. And look, you you don't have anything to lose, even if you haven't seen any of these films. I mean, we make a big deal about seeing all of them. But even if you haven't, if you win, you get lots of really cool swag. Um, mm-hmm. And so you should definitely uh, go ahead and do this. Now, if you want a little inside scoop as to who might win or should win, even if you've not seen all the best picture, you could always join our Patreon. It's not very expensive. It's like two bucks a month to get just in the door. And you get to hear all of our takes on what we do, what we liked about the about the Oscar nominated best pictures. We mm-hmm. talk mm-hmm. a little bit about uh, just enough about the plot. We don't give away any spoilers, nothing like that. It's totally worth your time. You got nothing to lose and you could get some really cool swag. So do that. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, we're not going to be talking about these movies in depth, um, you know, so just kind of a loose spoiler warning on these. We're not really going to be getting into the plots of most of these, uh, by and large. There are a couple of these that we actually covered on on full episodes, uh, 
uh, Top Gun uh, comes to mind, Elvis, you know, so a couple of these actually got the full drink the movies treatment, but we're not going to go too deep in these because there's a lot of them. Michaela, 54 nominees this year spread out to over 23 categories, uh, 54 movies. That's a, that is a lot to watch. But, you know, for science, you have to do it. You have to do it. It's kind of like running a marathon, right? It's not something that the human body is meant to do, but you're <laughs> but you want right. you want to do it. It's like like climbing a mountain. You feel so satisfied at the end of it. Uh, maybe yes. you're like, well, was that was that worth it to do? And I don't know. I think the answer is yes, by and large. Right. Yeah. I mean, we keep doing it. So we must obviously feel like it's it's the right thing for us to do uh, for both science and art, darling, and lots of art. Lots uh, so of let's, art. Let's kick this off. Um, let's get started. That's right, because, um, yeah, it, it is like art. Right. And you do feel a nice uh uh, a good feeling about having having done this, having watched movies, and especially, you know, 54 movies, uh, you know, at least half of them are movies that you probably never would have watched or never would have had any interest in or never, you know, sought out or anything like that. So, Michaela, I mentioned kind of at the top, this is our third year of doing the Oscars. So just kind of generally, I guess, what were your thoughts about the movies from 2022 this year? Now that you've had a chance to see, um, you know, all of them, there's a, there's a couple we still haven't uh, haven't caught up on yet, uh, you know, just before we're getting this recorded uh, and out into the world. But, you know, what were your what were your thoughts about the state of the cinema in 2022? Um, so on the offset, uh, the first thing that came to mind is there are a lot of people that think three hour films are amazing. Uh because there were quite a few of those this year uh, and new slash mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're, they're not necessarily amazing just because they're long. Okay. They, there needs to be more than that. Now um, that being said, we'd talked a little bit about this uh, earlier. A um, lot of kind of eat the rich. There's a lot of uh, mm -hmm. this was the year I think that really shined a light on the haves versus have nots in a very different way. Um, and also a very, to me, like a like a less is more, very subtle. Like the subtle movies are really winning out. Um, mm -hmm. So we're going to talk a bit about the Banshees of Any Sheeran. That is a film that is is not an action. I wouldn't even. I, I, people are saying it's kind of got a dark comedy tint to it. It's introspective, but it's and it's beautiful. It's all these things, but I don't think it it made any kind of splash at the box office. Versus, um, you know, everybody talks about. Top Gun Maverick, Way of Water, those did very well as well. But I'm thinking that the 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 reason and the the fact that uh, some of these more quieter films are getting all the accolades is mm -hmm. um, really kind of you know again raising the bar as to what um, what constitutes uh, a, a nominated film for best writing or best picture or whatever. So I thought that that was kind of interesting this year. Mm -hmm. What about you? Yeah, it seemed uh, kind of that way. I mean, obviously, we've got some blockbusters in the mix here. Uh, Top Gun, Avatar, um, Elvis, you know, to a certain extent. And I think that, you know, kind of the general um, movie going, you know, considerations here were, were pretty positive on that. Uh, you can look up, there's a, a clip of Steven Spielberg talking to Tom Cruise at the Golden Globes, basically saying how he basically, you know, saved the entire industry with Top Gun Maverick because movies were looking a lot different going forward. So that's kind of, kind of a, a neat and interesting sentiment, you know, kind of however you feel about about that, about that movie, about, you know, the blockbuster in general. So you got stuff like that. Uh, Eat the Rich was, like you'd said, a kind of recurring theme. But one of the things I noticed, it felt like like last year's films, 2021, was really kind of really playing off of, like, anxiety coming off of 2020. 
2020, right? The pandemic and, you know, people being indoors and, you know, kind of the industry of filmmaking and how that was going to look. It seemed like last year's films uh, very much were kind of these intimate looks at anxiety, whereas this year's films seem to be a little bit more of a look at what does moving past anxiety or, you know, dealing with anxiety a little bit more. That was kind of a theme that I found uh, through a lot of these movies this year. So it's just kind of interesting to just take a look, you know, after you know, having binged, you know, 30 so odd movies, you know, over the last six weeks, kind of what the recurring themes and and feelings are there. And that's kind of kind of what I came up with. But um, I don't know, let us know at home if you thought, you know, there were any kind of, you know, kind of strings running through, uh, you know, these films that were nominated and stuff, because, you know, we love to hear that and love what people see and kind of dissect and be able to think about these films, uh, you know, kind of in that way on on a deeper level and, you know, what people were getting out of them, because obviously your own life experiences are going to come in to play with that. But uh, Michaela, uh, we are not here for doing some deep philosophical uh, analytics on these movies. We're here to just blindly make our picks to see who wins. Uh, so far, you and I have spent uh, three Oscars together. Uh, I've come out on top twice. You've come out on top once. Uh, so this year, uh, maybe you could you could even the score. So what do you say? Let's get this started. Thanks for participating and drink the movies at 2023 Oscar Pick'em. Let's start. All right. So the first category is best writing original screenplay. The nominees are Banshees of Any Sheeran by Martin McDonough. Everything Everywhere All at Once written by Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. The Fablemans written by Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner. Tar, written by Todd Field, and Triangle of Sadness, written by Ruben Osland. Okay, so we've got these five films. Um, all five of these are nominated for Best Picture, which you know, is something that happens pretty often on the original screenplay category as well. Um, a lot of these were um, written and directed by the same people, uh, the the Daniels, uh, Steven Spielberg, Todd Field, <laughs> Rowan Oslin, and I, Martin McDonough. All of these people wrote and directed uh, these films. So that's that's pretty impressive. So spoiler warning, we're probably going to see some of these uh, names again come best director time. But I don't know, Michaela, original screenplay, one of the things all of these had in common, um, and, you know, obviously with writing in general, all of the dialogue was really tight. They were all all very kind of dialogue driven um everything everywhere all at once maybe had a little bit more of an actiony spin on things but but i don't know what stands out to you here in uh original screenplay Ooh, oh it's so this is this is one of my favorite categories because you really have to come up with an original idea so this is not a spinoff of anything else um and it's got to have um this this writing that stays with you is what i think of when I think of uh, a really tight screenplay. Um, so when I think of like the Fablemans, I think of the scene where um, the uncle comes to visit and he's talking about the, and he has this really beautiful monologue. That's really special um, with Banshees of any Sheeran, believe it or not, uh, the kind of, <laughs> I know I rag on it a lot, but the, the dialogue between the friends uh, that are not friends um, and just um, and 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 Tar, we talk about Tar a lot because the monologues that Lydia Tar actually gives are stunning and just mm -hmm. really special. So there's there's a lot I think that goes into all of these. It's so hard because these these categories are all these are all so deserving. Triangle of Sadness, I had no idea what it was about, and it's very it was a very strange look at the haves versus the haves nots in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, that so that that's my thinking is the reason why these were all nominated. It's really no surprise. The hardest part is picking the one. That's right. That is the hardest part. So uh, 
you know, everyone listening at home here is the first pick. Michaela, best writing original screenplay. I'm going to go with everything everywhere all at once. Okay. And I'm going with Banshees of Inishirin for original screenplay. All right. Coming up on our second one, uh, the flip side of that, the adapted screenplay. So we've got some uh, good ones here. We've got All Quiet on the Western Front, uh, Glass Onion, Knives Out Mystery, uh, Living. Uh, Top Gun Maverick and Women Talking. So, um, yeah, some adapted screenplays. Uh, one of the things I had to look up, uh, Glass Onion um, is an original story, of course. Top Gun Maverick is an original story. But because they carry over characters from a previous film, that's how they uh, slipped into this adapted screenplay. That was the uh, the qualifier there for that. So, um, Michaela, um, you know, a very different here, right? We've got action opus of Top Gun Maverick, uh, you know, same kind of with All Quiet on the Western Front based off of that classic of uh, classic novels. Uh, you have this witty, um, you know, sort of sort of uh, pointed uh, murder mystery from uh, Ryan Johnson, who has been nominated in this category several times now. Um, I don't know. Uh, what are your what are your thoughts here about the adapted screenplay? Uh, this is really hard because um you go from things that are known to things that perhaps were unknown. So I didn't realize that living was uh, from uh, another source that, that, that screenplay is amazing. The story is mm -hmm. really compelling um, as we get, as we all get older. I didn't realize that until we'd seen it either, that it was based off of a, a Kurosawa film. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, it sort of fits. It makes sense watching it now, uh, it, thinking back on it. Um, but like you have a classic book like all quiet on the western front uh next to top gun maverick it's so hard to judge um and what you want to do is judge the film as a whole and what you have to do is really judge the screenplay in and of itself because that's what this award says so um yeah you're you're gonna go first on this one i'm gonna i'm gonna see uh, what you say <laughs> i am i am going to go first um all quiet on the western front seems like the logical one um it is nominated for a truckload of awards uh, you know adapted from like I said, that most classic of of war uh, novels there. But I'm going to pick Women Talking by Sarah Polly. I'm a little unfair. You actually haven't had a chance to see that yet. It's not out to uh, stream until tomorrow as of recording. So you're going to get a, a chance to, uh, you know, caveat. Michaela can change her pick if she is so decides after seeing uh, Women Talking, you know, kind of on any of these that they're nominated for. But I'm going with Women Talking. It is it is a really dialogue-centric uh, story, um, literally about these women talking. So um, it's it, beautiful stuff. That is my pick there for that category. Well, so I think uh, I think I will take that uh, reservation, and I will I will maybe change this later. But at this point, I think I'm going to go with the safe choice, which was all quiet on the Western Front. Um, I feel like it is kind of a safe choice but at the same time that the script is so absolutely splendid and it's worth saying this is a foreign language film so it had to meet all the needs of my american ears uh as well as you know the language it was written in which was german um and i think that it does so absolutely beautifully so that's what i'm going to pick for now but uh we'll we'll see as uh we'll see after tomorrow when it comes out and i can i can watch it so for our third we have best visual effects. <laughs> this one we should probably uh, spend less time talking about. Um, we've got All Quiet on the Western Front. We've got Avatar, The Way of Water, The Batman, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and Top Gun Maverick. Okay, so... Um... 
Yeah, we'll talk about uh, the Batman and Black Panther here. We kind of hit on these other ones, uh, you know, real briefly there. But um, the Batman, you know, visually, it was it was very nice looking. Um, I thought the cinematography of it was great. I actually don't, you know, we saw this at the theater when it came out. I don't remember anything visual effect wise standing out um, quite as much. I mean, there was there was some great stuff in the way that it looked and, you know, the costuming and makeup and stuff like that. But I don't have visual effects. I don't I don't know. I'm drawing a blank on on why that one um was there uh you know no no shade to the batman but but black panther what kind of forever um uh, it's great you know there's always you know going one of these uh marvel or star wars films on here just you know from from the amount of stuff visually that's happening on screen uh cgi stuff practical stuff this is you know going underwater um in wakanda into the city um it's kind of all over the place uh it was really great looking but there's there's only one winner michaela when we get to the end we're going to take our take our lock and it's we're both probably gonna have the same one and it has to be avatar the way of water it has to be right it has to be i mean top gun maverick had some really amazing visual effects and it it definitely brought that love of the original maverick or the original top gun back to the forefront um it is stunning and it's really beautifully done um but let me let's let's just be clear okay it took seven years to make avatar the way of water um because they needed to come up with the technology to be able to give the visual effects that they were given that 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 means that this this is going to win an oscar okay so um if you didn't like the film fine that's okay that's your right but no one can really argue with the amazing visual effects of avatar the way of water um all quiet on the western front again beautiful but um, the way in which they had to film some of the things that they filmed and the way in which they did that with like this weird version of like CGI with real actors learning to mm. do yeah, all the things capture that they stuff. Did. Yeah. Mm. Oh, just, just insane. So I definitely think Avatar is going to take it home. And I think you agree. Absolutely. So uh, moving on here, we've got best sound. This one is a tricky one. Um, I was already sweating bullets thinking about a couple of these. And this is one, Michaela. So we've got All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Batman, Elvis and Top Gun Maverick. Um, let's uh, talk about Elvis here for a second. So Elvis is this giant soundscape. Obviously, it's it's the life and times and career of Elvis. So we're getting all the Elvis stuff. We're getting other music design. It's it's very fast. It's this Baz Luhrmann, uh, you know, spectacle of storytelling. So it's all that. You know, it's almost like you know, sound. You think of like sound design a lot of times, but you know, the sound editing on Elvis is just absolutely insane. But uh, what do you think? Any, anything stick out to you here or anything you want to hit on before we make our picks? Um, I think some of the sound editing for all quiet on the Western front was really uh, spectacular. I mean, it's a war film. So there's a lot of um, sounds of war that we think about, but there are a couple of really quiet scenes too, that were just really beautifully done um, where you can hear the crunch on the ground um and the 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 running and the heart pounding almost um and i thought that was really special um again i don't remember anything sound wise from the batman i just don't i remember uh smoky eye i remember a lot of makeup <laughs> but that's about all i remember for the batman and i'm sorry so not sorry um so I, I, this is a hard one because avatar way of water there were a lot of really cool effects, um, but I don't remember thinking that the sound editing was or best sound in general. I, I, uh. It's so, it's kind of the same it's kind of the same argument for Avatar: Way of Water that you get. A lot of times you'll see, um, especially like Pixar films, you know, come up in this category, do particularly well in this category. I think Soul won it a couple of years back, if I'm not mistaken, or was at least nominated for it. Um, but in something like Avatar, like the entire soundscape has to be 
you know, completely designed and built yeah. from the ground up. You can't really rely on, you know, the way a boot stepping in mud sounds and all quiet in the Western front. And, you know, while that is brilliant and, and gorgeous, you know, it's, it's just a different way uh, to look at it. So like I said, this one is really tricky. I mean, you have the, the soundscape and Top Gun Maverick of those fighter jets going across your IMAX screen uh, stuff. I, I don't know. This one's tough, Michaela. So that's why you're going first. Best sound. What's your pick? Okay. Um, I'm probably going to go with Avatar The Way of Water just because, like you said, it's, I don't remember the sound being super different and strange, but I remember that it made a very compelling story. And again, he had to create that from scratch. Um, mm -hmm. That had to be created and they built technology around being able to do that in an effective way. So that's going to be my pick. It's probably yeah. the safe pick. That's that's a that is a that is a fair pick. I am going to go with All Quiet on the Western Front, which is as visceral a movie as you can get, and the sound is a very important part of the way that that makes you feel. So All Quiet on the Western Front for me, Avatar for you. What do we got next, Michaela? All right, we got Best Short Film Live Action. Um, so if you've not seen these, you're missing out because some of them are actually good <laughs> this year. Uh, I don't mind saying uh, the nominees are An Irish Goodbye. Ivalu, Le Pupil, The Red Suitcase, and Night Ride. Yeah, that's right. So we've got we've got five here. Um, all pretty good. Uh, you know, got all all very sad as these uh, live action short films uh, tend to be. Now going into this, I'd I'd watched four of these, and The Red Suitcase was kind of my favorite. Uh, going through, it's following um, you know, this uh immigrant girl as she's landing and uh, moving through an airport to start kind of the next phase of of her life how that's going to work but uh then i saw them and uh, an irish goodbye uh kind of kind of came in and blew me away it was a little bit longer so it felt like a more fully narrative of a film so maybe that's why i connected with that one a little bit more but uh there's some really good ones i really enjoyed night ride i really enjoyed ivalu uh let people Le Pupil, uh, which you can find on a Disney Plus, um, wasn't my favorite the first time I watched it. But the second time I watched it, I really kind of connected with it a lot more. Um, it really yeah. kind of made sense and um, felt a little bit more, you know, fleshed out, so to speak. So I don't know. This is a tricky one, Michaela. What, do you, what are you thinking? Uh, so I totally agree with you. I think if you're looking for a film that's that's like a film that happens to be short, An Irish Goodbye is definitely the way to go. It's got a beginning. It's got a middle. It's got an end. Um you kind of really get to know some of the characters. There's a lot of quirkiness to it. Um, they, they Because it is a little bit longer, they have time to make some very detailed decisions to build certain things out uh, and create mm -hmm. layered characters and a layered kind of facade of what's happening in a family. Um, I thought Evalu is so beautifully shot. It is stunning. And uh, the landscape, because it's done in Greenland, it's just amazing. Um mm -hmm from a, the story is a little tough. Um, and that had help because it was based on a, a graphic novel. And so um, that had a little bit of, of backstory. So you, it made me want to go find it and learn it and read about it and things. Mm -hmm. um, the Red Suitcase. Oh my gosh. Love the Red Suitcase so much. It was, it, that is the scariest film I think I have seen. It's so tense and it's only like 14 minutes long or something. It's super short. And the whole time you're just on the edge of your seat, uh, you know, really trying to uh, root for this girl, uh, getting to where she needs to be with her little red suitcase. Uh, this is this is really a tough. This is a tough category because I care about all of these. I think I'm going to have to pick from a short film in general, though. I think I'm going to have to say the Irish goodbye. An Irish goodbye. Yeah. Is 
Okay. Yeah. This that one is, I would that... watch again and again. I would definitely watch that over and over again. That is a, that is a fair pick. Yeah. That one, um, you know, really it, it pulls at the heartstrings. It tells this really great, uh, kind of family story and things like that. I'm going to stick with my guns and go with the red suitcase. Cause we can't pick all of these the same Michaela, uh, where is the fun in that? And I thought it was excellent. Um, these are all, you know, as you know, a lot of times these short films, short documentaries, short animated shorts, um, tend to be pretty important just to, you know, as pieces of art. So I think that they're worth kind of seeking out and watching. So, uh, red suitcase for me, Irish goodbye for you uh what about best short film animated uh style now michaela we've had a chance to see all of these uh got some good ones uh, again this year uh we've got the boy the mole the fox and the horse the flying sailor ice merchants my year of dicks and an ostrich told me the world is fake and i think i believe it uh good on you ostrich for uh breaking open breaking open that world uh matrix style for us but what do you think michaela animated shorts so sometimes these are real bananas but and sometimes they're they're beautiful i have to say by and large this year pretty beautiful i i really enjoyed all of the shorts this year yeah i have to agree i think uh my standout uh until i watched the last one um was ice merchants i thought that that was a really beautiful story there's no dialogue in it you're just watching the animation and it's telling the story through uh the animation itself so i thought that was really special um it's really just beautifully done and the the music behind it is also uh amazing um i love the quirkiness of an ostrich told me the world is fake and i believe it um or i think i believe it sorry it's very long very long title um i love the way that it was made um i thought it was really neat um and a, a neat idea it's very matrix style in claymation which is really cool um but i loved all of these i think my least favorite was probably the flying sailor because i just didn't quite understand um some of the aspects of it i mean i know what happened uh but i didn't i don't know i just don't think i had developed i developed an appreciation for what i was seeing the way that i probably should have and that could mm -hmm. be a me problem but um but yeah. my favorite oh my gosh my favorite is the boy the mole the fox and the horse and that's really probably no one's surprise if you know anything about me as a person and you've seen the film um it's based on a book the book is also amazing the animation in the uh the the animation is amazing and the book itself is really beautifully written and beautifully illustrated. And, um, it tells a, a, a full story. It's only 35 minutes long. I, I think it's really amazing. And so I, that is going to be my pick for better or worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, um, I think that, uh, the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse is going to be my pick as well. Um, it's animated beautifully. It has, uh, uh really stellar uh, voice cast. And, you know, it, it just kind of was transcendental. I will say uh, my year of dicks, you know, uh, title aside, which is, you know, kind of the, <laughs> the uh, butt of, butt of jokes ever since, you know, Riz Ahmed had to, had to say it at the, at the, uh, the nomination uh, announcement. Um, I, I think it, it's interesting and it's good to have stories like that um similar to turning red we didn't we don't get a lot of coming of age stories told in the perspective of young women so i think that it's it's kind of important um from that stance and um i liked kind of the the serial like vibe and structure of it i thought was was pretty great but yeah the boy the mole the fox and the horse is going to be my pick for best short film um in the animated uh category absolutely
Well, moving on to best production design. And if anybody doesn't know what that means, it means how well did the movie look uh, from a setting perspective? Because all of that is design, whether on a studio or even uh, if it's uh, a place where you have to travel to, right? There had to be decisions that were made about the cars that were there, or the trees that were in the setting and all of that, okay? So nominations are All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, Babylon, Elvis and the Fablemans. That's right. Yeah. Best production design. This is a tricky one. Kind of all of these technical ones. Last year, you just looked and you said, well, whichever one Dune is nominated for, it's going to win. But this year, <laughs> all, <laughs> all of these movies are are crazy. The production design on, you know, we've talked about, you know, All Quiet on the Western Front, uh, just, just insane. The level of realism that they brought. Uh, to this thing. Um, but then you have stuff like Babylon, uh, which you and I watched together and you have just, you know, the, the production level of like the first half hour of this is it's, you know, going through this, this just giant crazy party and just the, the millions of working, moving pieces that had to come together to get something like that uh, done. And, you know, same, same level there on Elvis, you know, similar kind of vibe. There's something like the Fablemans. That's this big visual landscape of, you know, time in the, the 19, uh 50s uh it's just absolutely crazy this one is a tricky one uh Michaela what are what are your kind of thoughts on these five here uh so I thought that All Quiet on the Western Front was really special um I mean it's it's just an amazing film it's really hard too though because it covers a subject matter that we have seen a lot of before um, so there's a lot of trench warfare shots and uh building out the trenches and then the quiet areas in um the you know the churches that they go through and all of these kind of withered away buildings and things um that was really special um it's hard for me with way of water with avatar the way of water because it was i don't know where to draw the line between production design and best mm -hmm. visual effects so that's right. that's hard for me because i i i want to give it to somewhere someone else um because I feel like most of the stuff that I saw was a basis of the visual effects versus the production design. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why Elvis actually, I thought was super impressive that way because the production design that you do see, um, they had to go from, you know, a, a different, completely different breadth, right? So from these mm -hmm. very humble beginnings to these big mansions to, you know, skyscrapers in Vegas and all of that had to be done um, in such a way to make you really believe that this was happening. I, I, this is a tough one. This, this one is really hard for me. This, this one is, uh, this is really tough. Um, I'll quite on the Western front, I think um, is as great of production design as you can possibly have. But I think, you know, coming, you know, just a few years after something like 1917, I think maybe that works against it here in this case. Um, I say Babylon and Elvis are uh, very similar um, in kind of their frenetic pace and, you know, kind of the way that they're shot and look. But I think Elvis um, is ultimately a better movie and it's moving through more time periods and more locations. So I am picking Elvis as best production design. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree with you there. Um because I, I I have I have a lot of torn feelings about Elvis in some of these categories, um, not because it's not worthy, but just because I don't know exactly where to give it its its best accolades. Um, 
I really loved the production design of Elvis. I think that's something when I think about the film in the past, and I know we've done a deep dive on it. That's one of the pieces that I really remember is just that look and feel of the film. And there were a lot, there's a lot of makeup and a lot of costuming, but I think that's really where it draws the line. And I think you're right. I think All Quiet on the Western Front is a safer choice um, because it is really beautiful, but uh, I'm going to go with Elvis with you. So we'll see if we're both wrong. (laughs) that's right yeah we are putting our eggs into one basket there so what do we got best music original song Uh, we've got applause from tell it like a woman by uh music and lyrics by diane warren uh hold my hand from top gun maverick by lady gaga and blood pop lift me up from black panther wakanda forever uh rihanna ryan kugler ludwig goranson uh not to not to from rrr music by mm kiravani and Lyrics by Chandra Bose, and This is a Life from Everything Everywhere All at Once uh, by Ryan Lotz, David Byrne, and Mitski. Um, so, M- Michaela, you're just uh, looking at these, um, normally there's some kind of standouts, but a, a couple of these are kind of interchangeable um, in a way to me because they were all kind of, you know, <laughs> credits start and these, these songs come in. Uh, they didn't really play a role in the movie so much to me, um, which which is fine. Like I'm, I don't object to that, but I really like for my best, you know, original song to really play some sort of, you know, vital, you know, kind of storytelling role, right. It, within the right. film, um, you know, it, it, not just like a, yeah, kind of like an emotional recap on what you just saw, you know, something, something to play into it. Um, even, you know, something like Celine Dion's my heart will go on that theme, you know, played throughout that whole film before, you know, you finally got got her version of her singing mm-hmm. it, right? But it was an integral part of the way that that movie felt. Um, and to to that end, um, you know, I, I, you know, you look at all these, uh, Lady Gaga, Hold My Hand, that's probably my favorite of these songs. But what part of the movie does that play to me? Um, and I don't know. Um, and I'm going to let I'm going to let you talk, but I'm going to go ahead and make my pick. I am going with Golden Globe winner, Not To Not To from RRR. Yeah, yeah totally agreed. I mean, Here's the deal with these. I, I I think you and I are very aligned, so I'm not going to re-say everything you just said. I love Diane Warren. Um, I think she's done a lot of great things. Hold My Hands, probably my favorite uh, of the fil- of the songs if I just listen to them. Um, but not to, not to. There's something about, I don't know, half of the world listening to a song and identifying with it somehow. Um, and that, that song has taken the entire world by storm. Definitely all of Asia um, knows that, that song now. And um, I, I think because of also the idea of, in, and now RRR, not a Bollywood film. Okay. But, um, but because they, their music, uh, the music in does seem to play an integral part in the story uh, to an extent I think that I'm going to go with that as well. Um, I don't, I, I'm not a musician, so I don't know what it took to make it, but um, yeah, I, I feel good about that choice. I feel good about that choice. Although I'm sorry, Lady Gaga, I did really love Hold My Hand. <laughs> I just would have <laughs> liked it if it was maybe a little bit in the film somewhere. Uh, All they needed the to do was have it play on the jukebox at the bar. Done. Boom. <laughs> Boom. sorted sorted so that is that is our best original song uh michaela what do we got next the best original song okay we got best music's original score which is the stuff that doesn't uh have li- uh, lyrics <laughs> for anybody like me who's like a music novice we have all quiet on the western front with where the music was by volkner bertelman we have babylon by justin herwitz the banshees of any sheeran by carter burwell Everything Everywhere All at Once, music by Son Looks, 
and The Fablemans by John Williams. Oh, now this is really hard because everything <laughs> John Williams does, I'm like, just just give him an Oscar and let him go home. Just give him an Oscar. Just, but that's right. It's yeah. Really yeah. hard because this one's hard you go first that was yeah that was kind of the the assumption when we saw steven spielberg was doing this semi-biographical uh telling of his story and that john williams was going to be doing the music for it and potentially one of his last film scores you're like well yeah give give that man the oscar right there and i think there's some things to be said for them just saying yeah this this could be it for for johnny johnny williams so maybe just go ahead and give it to him and uh, you know, whether whether that's just within the realms of these five, I mean, it has to be just in in the sense of of all time greatness. Um, I, I will say I didn't think that the the musical scores, uh, soundscapes of these movies this year were as strong as maybe some movies um, I've seen in the past kind of overall, um, probably my favorite one. Um, and and I only really sort of kind of identified with it the second time that I watched it was everything everywhere all at once like it didn't stand out to me in particular the first time I watched it so I don't know if that's that's just me being more familiar with the film the second time around or maybe I just overlooked it because there's so much insanity happening on, on your screen uh hot dog fingers and all so so I don't know um and I love the sound design of all quiet on the western front and certainly there are some beautiful musical motifs in there but I don't I don't know if it all comes together for me um that well um, and, and, but then that being said, the, the Fablements wasn't my favorite uh, film score either. But my my head says that you should go with that one because everyone else is going to look at that list of people and say, well, John Williams, this could be his last crack at one of these. We better give it to him. Uh, so so I don't know, but I'm going to I'm going to go with my heart here, Michaela. I'm going to say everything everywhere all at once. I think it's important to the story, uh, whether you can pick it out initially or not. I think it I think it's yeah, it's just laying this this foundation for everything that you're mm -hmm. seeing on there. So uh, some yeah. looks uh, I'm going that way. What about you? What do you think about these? So I um, have been newly kind of learning about scores and what that means and what it what it takes to create a musical score for films and all that stuff. So I, I will say that I truly love the score for All Quiet on the Western Front. Absolutely thought it was brilliant. Um, there were certain aspects of it. Now it sounds kind of funny because it's all quiet on the Western front. We're talking about original score, but there were moments where, um, uh, along with the editing, the score behind it was really powerful and palpable. Um, certainly the very beginning, um, kind of opening scene, uh, was really, really special to me. And a lot of that, uh, is based on the way that the score kind of also made you feel impaired with what you were seeing on the screen. So I'm going to go with all quiet on the rest in front. I could be wrong, um, but we can't agree on everything. So there we go. Mm -hmm. That's right. Okay. All quiet on the Western front for Michaela. Everything everywhere all at once for me. And next up, we've got best makeup and hairstyling. Uh, again, let's see. We've got all quiet on the Western front, the Batman, Black Panther, Wakanda forever, Elvis and the whale. Uh, this is, this is tricky. Uh, the whale, uh, you have Brendan Fraser, uh, he, it made up made up to the nines right uh you know uh complete transformation but you have the batman you have colin farrell who's playing the penguin also this completes uh kind of transformation which which the academy likes they they really like someone to look completely different uh when they're talking about best makeup and hairstyling but uh that's a lot of dirt and grime all quiet on the western front uh you know of, of course the hairstyles um black panther wakanda forever which i think won this the original black panther one uh makeup and hairstyling i believe and then and then elvis you have elvis looking like elvis but i don't know to me i think that's more costuming uh but you do you do have tom hanks kind of a body transformation and yeah. that one too so so really that's that's kind of the the theme of this year michaela best makeup and hairstyling what say you oh this is really hard um 
I think, I think that I am going to uh, take a, something out of my back pocket. There was a saying where it was, if the movie, uh, would the movie exist without the makeup and the hairstyling? And I'm going to pick the whale because everyone talked about how amazing the performance uh, of Brendan Fraser was. Um, and he was, uh, but I think the reason why the movie works is because they did such a great job with makeup and hairstyling and making that character look as realistic and as, uh, however you feel this early when you see that character, um, that is largely in part of this amazing job that was done, um, uh, with the makeup and hairstyling. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go with the whale for that reason. Um, I think that, uh, I, I don't remember much other than smoky eye from the Batman. So I'm probably never going to pick the Batman for anything. And I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> But Black good, uh, Panther mascara, Wakanda Forever. Mascara budget was yeah, high. Really good. Lots of lots of charcoal around the eye sockets. Um, Black Panther, I thought, was really special because of the way um that they handled kind of some of the underwater stuff um and the way that they had that um you know, kind of tribal community look uh, in a certain way. Um, and I thought that was really cool um and something that we had not seen. Um yeah, but I, I'm gonna go with the whale. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with the whale as well. Um, you brought up the good point that, uh, you know, the film basically is reliant on the fact that they could have Brendan Fraser, uh, you know, look that way, um, in this movie. So I'm going to go with the whale as well. Although I think all quiet on the Western front, probably same as saving private Ryan, uh, should take this one. I don't think it's going to. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So best international feature film. I'm so glad we're uh, able to talk about this. I'm sad that there are only five uh, nominated uh, films for this because I think there are probably tons more out there. Um, we've talked a lot about what it takes to get into this uh, shortlist. Um, I thought almost all of these. Now we we both, I don't think have seen The Quiet Girl yet, uh, which mm. is one of the nominations. And so that is on our list. We're going to get it watched beforehand, but uh, unfortunately it's not out uh, anywhere. We can just stream it or buy it. So um, here are the nominations. We have All Quiet on the Western Front, Argentina 1985, Close, EO, and The Quiet Girl. That's right. Yeah. So uh, some really good nominees here this year. Um, absolutely loved Argentina 1985. I thought it was a a very important and timely story. Uh, something that happened in 1985 being uh, as important uh, today uh, in you know lots of countries around the world as as it was you know back then. A really important story. Um, close is absolutely just wrenching and uh, beautiful and uh, hard. I'm not even going to ask Michaela about it because we don't have time for for her to suffer all of the emotions that she had um when we went and saw that one uh, a couple weeks ago the quiet girl from all accounts looks absolutely beautiful i'm very excited to see that we're uh hoping to get out to the theater to see that uh this week before uh before oscar night so uh looking forward to that one eo is definitely uh kind of a a different take that's going to really kind of play on your uh psyche and feelings um i the the clear winner here has to be with all of its nominations, uh, all quiet on the Western front, Michaela, it just kind of, um, I don't, I don't know. It was kind of transcendental, um, in a way that, you know, films just sometimes are just sometimes things are just that way. And that was yeah. all quiet on the Western front. Absolutely. I mean, if I'm, I'm going to be really upset if it doesn't win this, uh, because it, it deserves, and I, I think it's special because it's nominated for best film as well. Um, but, 
Um, all of these are really great. If you have time, go watch Close. Go watch Argentina 1985. Uh, probably go watch The Quiet Girl. Um, these are all really amazing and they touch on so different subjects. Uh, really, really special. But All Quiet on the Western Front is definitely my pick. Okay. So we are agreeing there. We are we are agreeing there. Uh, this one, I don't know if we'll agree on. That is best film editing. We've got Banshees of Inishirin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere, All at Once, Tar, and Top Gun Maverick. Um, so a lot of these here, Elvis, Everything All at Once, Top Gun Maverick, some pretty fast cuts uh, sort of thing. Tar is more of this elongated uh, sort of storytelling and Banshees of Inishirin, uh, you know, Kind of same way they're basically uh, getting these conversations uh, pieced together. So it really kind of depends on what you like, um, you know, in your in your editing style, I guess, here, Michaela. But, you know, certainly some good things to be said about all of these. But we've already touched on these films a little bit. What what do you think here about best film editing? What are what are your picks and thoughts? So my thinking around this is when you're talking about editing, right, it tell that's the thing that really tells the story. You have a, a director who's got this idea. You have these storyboards. You have the cinematographer who sets up these beautiful shots and then you're like, okay, you give it to an editor and say, okay, go, go tell the story that we want to tell with all of this stuff. So, so much is made or broken in the editing room, I feel like. And I feel that um, for a lot of these fast edits, as you were calling them, they really have to work in order to set up a, a beautiful story. Um, I think Top Gun Maverick does a really great job. Uh, I thought Elvis was exceptional in the film editing because you had, um, you know, all the offsets of like what was happening behind the scenes, what was happening performance wise, how all of that was was being kind of orchestrated by this other character and really showing that uh, in a way. Um, but for me, the story doesn't work if everything everywhere all at once was not edited the way that it was because you're dealing with lapses in space and time and different individuals and trying to figure out and and tell the story um, and really tell it in three different chunks of ways. Um, so for me, I'm going to pick everything everywhere all at once because that story just, just does, doesn't work unless you had the editing that uh, it it had. And I'm not saying it was perfect. There were a couple times where I myself got a little con confused, um, but the story itself was really confusing. And all you had to do was sit and wait for the next frame and it kind of set you straight. So again, mm -hmm. I really feel that this year, the kudos goes to everything everywhere, all, everything everywhere, all at once. What are your thoughts, Brian? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with everything everywhere all at once as well. Um, you know, normally you think of uh, film editing and that has a lot to do with kind of how the movie is paced and then obviously what it kind of looks like, but everything everywhere all at once, the editing really felt like it was uh, an integral part of the story in the way that that works. So I'm going to go with everything everywhere all at once for best film editing. Uh, we're back to the shorts, Michaela. What What's this next category? We got best documentary short films. Uh, we got the uh, nominations are the elephant whispers, hull out. How do you measure a year? The Martha Mitchell effect. And Stranger at the Gate. Okay, yeah, best documentary short films. I am a big fan of documentaries, as I've said uh, several times here. So it's always interesting when the shorts get uh, nominated because then you can kind of search those out. They're a little bit harder to find uh, just on the on the regular, unless you're really going out and looking for them. So I'm always I'm always excited to see what these have to do. And a lot of times, the short film documentaries they can be they can be real heavy and real sad, or they can be uplifting. Like last year, we had the basketball, uh, the the Queen of Basketball, I think, or something like that yes. was yep. was kind of this more uplifting 
uplifting one, uh, which is always kind of a, a breath of fresh air because a lot of these can get pretty, uh, pretty, pretty down, pretty depressing uh, kind of things. And these ones this year were were kind of that way, right? Um, you have stuff that's just beautiful. Um, people really, you know, kind of working in uh, working preservation, elephant whispers, uh, howl out, uh, stuff like um, you know, the Martha Mitchell effect, which is coming off the coattails of that show that Julia Roberts was in, uh, you know, really kind of introducing uh, the world to her, never, uh, you know, was familiar with Martha Mitchell kind of in any way, um, a little bit more of a, a straightforward, just a documentary kind of um, interviews and uh, footage and uh, stuff like that, some personal growth stuff kind of in Stranger at the Gate. But um, I don't know, Michaela, I think we have kind of different thoughts on on this one, but I'm going to go with Howl Out. I think that it was, uh, it, it's just, it's staggeringly uh, beautiful, um, kind of creepy, like it almost feels like a horror film uh, there at there at times but i think that it is it's really important from like a, a conservation and uh climate change um and that kind of kind of things and it, it's this more like quiet unspoken uh documentary and normally i don't like those i don't really like documentaries that don't have a lot of narration and voiceover but but here it works because we're you know with the scientist who is just observing what is happening and uh how important it is and how staggering it is and uh, just how unbelievable that something like this happens and someone is right there in the midst of this, you know, walrus migration. It, it's insane. And I loved it. And how is my uh, pick for documentary short? Uh, what about you? Oh, OK. Um, so I agree. I thought how was a very interesting take because it doesn't have uh, a script. It's not like a normal what what we would consider at least. Uh, in America would consider a documentary, right? There's no interviews. There's, they don't set the stage. You just kind of see this thing happen and unfold. And it's, it's, it's different than all of the others, um, except for how do you measure a year? We've not seen it. Hey, uh, so unfortunately we can't speak to that one, but I mean, I definitely felt like the Martha Mitchell effect and stranger at the gate, um, were much more digestible, um, because of the way they were uh, created and made. Um, but I think you're right from a subject matter expert, from a subject matter perspective, when you are talking about what's the most important uh, film uh, that could have been made in this and on this list, I think you're probably right that Haul Out is, is the clear kind of takeaway um, because it is so staggering uh, as to what's happening. And the great thing about it is that you didn't need a heavy script and a bunch of interviews and a bunch of scientists. You just needed to open your eyes and see what was happening right there. Um, and so I, I'm going to agree with you. Um, although I really love the, Mar the Martha Mitchell effect because of the way that they uh, told that story. And I think that's an important story from an American perspective. But from a world perspective, I think Hall Out definitely kind of takes takes it. Okay. All um, out there for best documentary shorts. You know, what do we got next? We are going from the shorts to the feature length uh, documentary films. Let's see. What do we have here? Uh, we have All That Breathes. We have All the Beauty in the Bloodshed, Fire of Love, A House Made of Splinters, and Navalny. Uh, Michaela, so... Uh, I, I don't normally get into into snubs, and I'm not going to drag this one through the mud uh, too long. My pick is Goodnight Oppie. Um, skipping this category. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to make make a pick here, but 
I, I don't know. I, I don't like to be too negative. None of these are as good as, as Good Night Oppie. I'm going to go with Fire of Love. That was my next favorite one of the uh, documentaries I saw this year. Um, I thought it was kind of this intimate uh, look at this couple and, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I really like sciencey things. So I was big on that, uh, you know, kind of this volcanology uh, sort of thing that they're doing. And um, I don't know. I just I just thought it was interesting because you get a lot of these documentaries that are covering these big swaths of of space within the world, telling these big grand stories and and how important it is to, you know, kind of ramifications around the world and, and certainly studying uh, studying our world geologically, uh, studying volcanoes is important for for humankind and an understanding, you know, the creation of the planet and things like that. But I, I really loved that it. it was kind of you know pulled in to tell uh, this kind of relationship story, which is you know not something you see in these big giant you know Oscar uh, worthy documentary feature films. But what about you? What did you think about this year's documentaries? So my favorite was also Fire of Love from a story perspective. I loved the the way they set it up. Now, if you've not seen that, um, they had to take old footage and kind of put it together. And I thought the way that they did that to tell a documentary feature um, was really special. Um, what I also know is that they had to do very much the same thing for Navalny. Um, I My second favorite is probably Navalny just because of uh, kind of the direct political uh, uh, implications that are made um <laughs> Cer and certainly the, timely certainly timely cer certainly timely very similar to how i felt about kind of a house made of splinters um both of those uh deal with russia and the ukraine kind of uh and what's happening in the world today uh you know we can't get enough people uh to look at that uh and and take action right we we really need to do that um so i'm gonna let you pick fire of love even though that's my favorite i'm gonna go with navalny um just because it's uh still something that it has very uh, real world impacts today. Um, and if you've not seen it, I recommend, and Navalny's still, uh, he's, he's still where he is. And I, I, I don't want to spoil it, but it's important. Um, so I'm going to pick that one as my pick, but, uh, but I, I understand why you picked fire of love. Cause it's so wonderful. <laughs> it's so good. So then we have best directing, which is really exciting. Uh, the nominees are Banshees of any Sheeran uh, by Martin McDonough. Everything Everywhere All at Once with Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. The Fablemans, directed by Steven Spielberg. Tar, directed by Todd Field. And Triangle of Sadness, directed by Ruben Oslin. Good on you, Ruben. This is like his first thing. And he's nominated for a... a, a Triangle of Sadness has done so well, given that this is his first uh, big feature film that he's both directed and written and... That's right. Yeah, he got the uh, Triangle of Awards, right? Writing, directing, and uh, Best Picture we'll get to uh, here shortly. But uh, yeah, I don't know. We've talked uh, a little bit about kind of all of these field or all of these fields, all of these films and, you know, kind of the importance of those and how directing really kind of comes together and, and puts these in. Really, this one is down to two for me. Um, it's the Banshees of Inishirin. Um, and uh, the Fablemans, but I, I think that I'm going to go with the Fablemans. Uh, Hollywood really loves uh, films about Hollywood, and I'm going with the Fablemans, Michaela. Okay, well, that's fine. We <laughs> we can agree on the Fablemans again. I we gotta quit. We gotta we gotta quit picking the same stuff. Um, we do. Yeah. I I feel like um, this was really hard because I loved. Um, I loved the way Triangle of Sadness was filmed. Um, it's it wasn't as strong of a like a visceral reaction to me. I The Fablemans is probably my favorite film of the year. 
just because of the subject matter, I loved the whole thing. Everything that was in the Fablemans, I absolutely loved. So um, I'm going to pick the Fablemans as well. But it's very hard for me because everything, everywhere, all at once, some of those decisions are uh, are just brilliant. So this, this is hard, but Fablemans for me. That's a that's a tricky one for sure. So uh, what do we got next here, Michaela? We are rolling right along. We've got best costume design. That is uh, Babylon, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Elvis, everything, everywhere, all at once. And a new movie to talk about, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, uh, which is which is quite a lovely little film. Uh, and the recreation of these Dior dresses is unbelievable. That's why it got nominated, because they look incredible. They look like they are right off of the uh the showroom floor there from the fifties or whenever that was set, uh, looking good, looking good on you at Paris fashion designers. But I don't know. What do you think about costume design? Anything stand out to you here? Uh, otherwise we've got a couple things we've talked about a little bit peripherally, but what do you think? Yeah, I, I think I'm going to pick Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Um, because not only did it talk about the costumes and not only did it show the costumes, but how they were made, and all of the pieces that had to be created uh, that were in kind of in flux, right? Um, and how that really played a huge part of the story itself. Um, I remember seeing this previewed and thinking that's gonna that's gonna be up for best costume design. And I'm glad that I wasn't wrong. The only the only tough kind of call for me is I, I really love all the costuming and everything everywhere all at once. It is so weird. Um, the, the, the different worlds that are created and the way that um, they, they put these amazing clothes on these folks, right? Stephanie Hsu looks amazing in all of these scenes um, where she's going and kicking butt everywhere. It's crazy. Uh, so that that's really a hard call for me. Cause I, I think everything everywhere all at once should probably is probably going to win, but I'm going to say Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Okay. So um, yeah, everything everywhere all at once, it, it's hard, right? Because you have something like, like Elvis um, by all accounts, the costume design is amazing, uh, but they're recreating all the things that have existed before. Uh, same as Mrs. Harris goes to Paris, those dresses existed. So you're seeing these things. And while there is an insane attention to detail um, in making them, I don't know. I think Dark Horse, like I didn't even think about this. This wasn't even on my radar, but I think it's going to play similar to Cruella uh, and Cruella when that came out. Those crazy costume designs, I think that gets the one up here for everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, going on a limb, I don't know if that's a smart pick or not, but it is the pick that is in my heart. Everything bagel style. Everything bagel style. Love it. Uh, so the next uh, category is best cinematography. Uh, no surprise, we have All Quiet on the Western Front as a nomination, as well as Bardo, False Chronicles, and A Handful of Truths, Elvis, Empire of Light, and Tar. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, cinematography, this is this is a tricky one. Um, again, all these technical ones have been really hard. It kind of depends on on what you want to see. Um, all Quiet on the Western Front was beautiful, and I thought it was beautiful. You know, we watched it on Netflix. That's where most people have taken this in. But then we went to uh, our little movie theater, and they were going to be showing All Quiet on the Western Front on the big screen. So we saw the preview for it before we saw our movie the other day and i was like holy smokes that looks good that looks big and vast and you know we were at the uh independent picture house so it wasn't even on like a big imax screen like i couldn't even imagine if that screen would have been 300 feet wide uh that would have been insane uh bardo is a, a just a crazy like acid trip there's so much like crazy stuff going on especially the first part of that uh very similar to 
um Babylon when you're just like this is this is just insane what are they what are they even thinking about um Elvis it's it's this big uh you know opulent production of these Elvis concerts and stuff that's that's absolutely great um Empire of Light which we did an episode on is beautiful gorgeous um I don't know I don't know what it takes to win cinematography anymore uh cuz you have you have all these IMAX screens and you just expect everything to be big and you know blown out and over the top but is it really more um kind of intimate in the way that it the cinematography needs to work now are we are we pulling it back from that uh i don't know i don't know i'm i'm very confused i'm gonna say all quiet on the western front uh it's it's gorgeous and it is intimate enough within the confines of those little trenches um and big enough in scope i think it you know ticks all the boxes so i'm going all quiet on the western front michaela i think my biggest conflict here i loved bardo false chronicles and a handful of truths not because i love the story because i i got lost a couple of times i'm not gonna lie um but it was so visually striking um but again i kept losing um touch with well it was this a cinema was this a cinematographic choice or is this based on uh some sort of special effects or how how that how that kind of meshes and and molds. And over time, I think that that's really why um, this category uh, really always gives me pause because it's really hard to pick. And I don't know enough about how some of these films were made to maybe kind of draw the line. Um, I thought that All Quiet on the Western Front um, is probably most deserving because not only do you have these big sweeping, um, kind of very grand views but you also got these very tight close-ups of objects and people and the way in which uh, that piece works is and meshes rather than just having um, kind of these much more grand um, frames is is really what makes it work um, and I mean again it's hard because it's a war film, but the again, the the you shouldn't need. I think you were the one who told me this. It, it's all about the shots. If you can tell the story without a script at all and really understand because of the shots that are done, I think that that is um, a really good litmus test. And mm-hmm. so I I'm going to agree with you. Uh, I feel bad that I'm not picking Empire of Light because I know we we both uh, like that film a lot, but that's mm-hmm. the choice. Yeah. 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 Decisions have to be made. Uh, it's not getting any easier um, as we go. And we are up on a, a category, which I think we're both going to make the same decision and we're both going to be sad about it. Not sad, but, you know, sad we couldn't pick something else. But that is best animated feature film. We've got Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, uh, Turning Red, The Sea Beast, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. And Marcel, the shell with shoes on, uh, which is absolutely fantastic. Go watch Marcel, the shell. I think it's on something now. Uh, it's on Showtime or something, I think. Go, go watch it. It's it's incredible. Um, and it's my pick in my heart. I'm not going to pick it here. I'm going to pick Guillermo del Toro's uh, Pinocchio. Um, now, I think that most of these are are pretty warranted. Turning Red, I liked a lot. I think it was an important story. Uh, you know, I already, I already brought that up when we were talking about our animated shorts uh, back there. The Sea Beast, I liked a lot. Um, it was a Netflix animated uh, film. I thought it was really good. I thought that it looked great. I thought that it had a good story and a good message. And Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, is a, a, an excellent film. Uh, by all accounts, it looks great. It has a really kind of interesting animation style um, within the realm of that, you know, classic DreamWorks uh, animation style. And it tells a, a fantastic 
story. Puss in Boots, in a lot of ways, is like the animated version of Everything Everywhere All at Once, where you're looking at these different uh, sort of timelines that that could have happened. It, it's amazing, and that was kind of a resounding uh, theme this year uh, too. But I don't, I don't know. We talked about it on a full length episode, Michaela. But uh, Pinocchio, it, it it does everything. It's it's real beautiful, and uh, it's the favorite. And I think it's going to win Guillermo del Toro's yeah. Pinocchio. Uh, what, what totally do you think? Anything win. else to add there? No, uh, I'm going to agree with you. And I'm also really sad. Marcel, the shell with shoes on is definitely my favorite. And, uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> I'm nah. sad about it, but I'm picking, I'm picking uh, Pinocchio. Um, but everybody should see that film because it's so good. Marcel, the shell. It's, it's so great. It's, it's really good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, give it a try, but yeah. Uh, watch Pinocchio, go back and listen to that episode. It was one of the best cocktails we've ever made. Michaela, yeah. makes some I, mean, good cocktails, I have to say, so That's I have to right. say, That's so right. you did really well there. So the next is best actress in a supporting role. We're we into the big Angela. ones now. Yeah. I mean, not that the, not that the other ones weren't big, I guess, but these are the ones right. that are going to be on That's all right. the headlines come Monday these morning. Stop for That's right. Um, so we have, uh, Angela Bassett for black Panther. What kind of forever we have Hong Chow. From the Whale, we have Carrie Condon, the Banshees of Anishirin, Jamie Lee Curtis from Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Stephanie Sue from Everything Everywhere All at Once. This is this a one's really one. hard, man. <laughs> this is a this is a tricky one. All of these were excellent. Um, I would I would really like to see uh, Jamie Lee Curtis get one. Uh, just kind of from a, a career uh, retrospective, I really liked her character in this. I thought she was incredible, and and she definitely kind of laid it all out there. And uh, I thought that that was great. Stephanie Sue uh, is amazing in everything all at once. Everything everywhere all at once. She has all sorts of emotion and all sorts of commanding of scenes. She is just brilliant in there. Um, Angela Bassett is incredible and Black Panther Wakanda forever um, through her part of, of that film. Um, I think I'm going to go with my head here. I'm doing some thinking right now and that Jamie Lee Curtis and Stephanie Sue are going to split votes and Angela Bassett is going to win Black Panther Wakanda forever. That is my pick for Best Supporting Actress, uh, Justly Warranted. She's she's great. She's the best part of the film, I think. so. Oh, uh, hands down, best part of the film. Uh that's really hard because I want to agree with you. Um, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to go with my heart on this. I, I really want Jamie Lee Curtis to uh, take one home. I love her uh, female supportive energy. Um, and so that's, that's what I'm going to go for. It's really hard though, because I thought um, we, nobody talked enough about Hong Chow's uh, performance in the whale. Um, it's very subtle. Um, and I think that that's harder to do. Uh, as an actor, uh, being being subtly uh, feeling in in a film or on stage, mm-hmm. I think that is really difficult to to do that and do that uh, to where it's you you tended to go too much. Um, and so I am so glad that she got the nomination that she did. Um, but I'm going to stick with Jamie Lee Curtis. And so uh, you're probably going to win because Angela Bassett's going to win. But that's what we're going to. We're gonna go for it. That's okay. I will take. I will take a win um, if Angela Bassett wins, because uh, yeah, she she is great for sure. So uh, this is this is maybe the hardest one that I'm gonna have to pick. At least I think Michaela, best actress in a leading role. We've got Kate Blanchett from Tar. We've got Michelle Yao from Everything Everywhere All at Once, and then there's three other people that are nominated too. Just kidding. That's Anna Darmus from Blonde, Andrea Riceborough from To Leslie, and Michelle Williams from The Fablemans. Now, in any other year, uh, Michelle Williams gets a nomination and say well she's gonna win because that's what she does uh she gets nominated for oscars and then she wins oscars so does kate blanchett and michelle yao should probably also get nominated anytime she's ever in anything because she is incredible um 
you think about it and you think that Michelle Yao, she's doing she's doing this movie. Um, you know, it's it's kind of actiony, uh, fast, fast cuts, a uh, little bit action oriented. Um, so maybe that gives her a leg up on Kate Blanchett. But then you think you're like, well, Tara, it's kind of this big, you know, she's doing all this composing and stuff, which is also very physical. She's very physical um, in this role as Lydia Tara and, and conducting this orchestra, um, you know. Michelle Yao going back and forth, English, Chinese. You have Kate Blanchett doing the same thing, English and German. She's back and forth all the time. Uh, so really, I think as different as those films are, the acting from both of them is very similar. And they're both yeah. just absolutely incredible. I might, I, can I refrain from picking? Can I just say, I'll just, I'll just, uh, I'll take like a half a point if, if either of these, <laughs> if either of these win, because, because I, I don't know. Um, I mentioned it on our Patreon exclusive episode. Uh, Kate Blanchett, this might be my favorite thing that I've ever, I've ever seen her in. And she's only done things that are, that are absolutely incredible, but um, I'm going to make it easy on myself. And I'm going to say Michelle Yao. I think she wins it um, because I think that uh, everything everywhere all at once was a film that was worthy of all of these nominations and all of these awards. Um, she's absolutely brilliant in it. And um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. The world is a better place uh, having, had that movie in it. So Michelle Yao is my pick here for actress in a leading role. But what do you think, Michaela? This is this is a tough one. But do you have anything to add? No, I, I think um, for me, it's Michelle Yao's year. Um, you know, Kate Blanchett, I, I, you know, she, she everything she touches, as you said, is cinematic gold. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if she won. But I'm going to pick Michelle Yao because I really want her to win. I want her uh, to get the accolades she deserves. She's done a lot of films um, that maybe people haven't seen. She's done more than just Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon and this, okay? Uh, so, And she's been amazing um, in all of them. So I, I'm excited. I hope that she does take it home. Uh, but if Kate Blanchett wins, uh, I won't be mad at it, uh, or Michelle Williams. Um, I think that all of these performances were really special. We were not, I think we talked about, we're not a huge fan of Blonde uh, as a movie, um, but Anna Darmus does a really strong job. So I'm glad that mm -hmm. everybody got nominated, um, but I'm picking Michelle Yeah, That's what I'm going to say. There you go. There you go. So the next one is best actor in a supporting role. We've got Brendan Gleeson from the Banshees of Inisherin, Ryan Tyree Henry from Causeway, Judd Hirsch from the Fablemans, Barry Keown in The Banshees of Inishirin and Ki Hui Kwan in Everything Everywhere All at Once. And I don't mind telling you that Ki Hui Kwan is my top pick. Um, I do want to say that I thought Judge Hirsch is amazing in The Fablemans and Brian Tyree Henry. I was just blown away by his performance. And I'm so glad that he got um, nominated um, because he makes that film, which is, is it's that's tough to say, considering his counterpart is Jennifer Lawrence, who's basically won a ton of Oscars and been nominated for a bunch of stuff as well. So, um, but I think it's Kiwi Kwan's year and I'm, I'm going to say that that's my pick. That's right. Yeah, we keep picking the same things. Kei Kwan is my pick here as well. Um, all these are are excellent. Of course, uh, would be surprised to no one if Brendan Gleeson uh wins this. But I don't. I don't know. I I think that Waymond uh really uh elevates the film. Right. It really relies on his kind of frenetic energy uh running around this thing to really be pulled off and uh. Yeah, I, come on, uh, give give the man his Oscar. I want to see him. I I want to see him 
win this so bad. I want to see his speech because it's going to be amazing. Michaela's going to be crying. Um, so I don't know. Make him make him be tears of joy. Let's do it. Kehe Kwan, best actor in a supporting role for sure. Uh, what do we got? Leading role time, Michaela. Uh, this was another tricky one. I think going into this, everyone kind of had the same opinion on who it was going to be. And then all of a sudden, our first nominee here, Austin Butler for Elvis, starts winning all those awards that we thought that Brennan Fraser from The Whale was going to win. So that's kind of the uh, the matchup here. We've also got Colin Farrell from The Banshees of Inishirin, Paul Mescal for After Sun, and Bill Nighy uh, from Living. But what do you think, Michaela? Uh, this, this one's a little tricky to navigate, as a lot of these categories have been. But what do you think? So um, I really liked Austin Butler's performance as Elvis. And I know Elvis is such a beloved uh, kind of per performer and person that, you know, a bunch of people, you know, really looked up to him growing up. And he's still... Uh, very much a part of like American pop culture and things. Um, and that's probably uh, helps uh, versus any of these other characters that, you know, kind of sit only in these films. Um, I was blown away by Bill Nye's performance in Living. I thought he did a really great job. Colin Farrell is awesome. Um, but I'm, I'm going to stick with my guns here. I'm going to say Brandon Fraser should win uh, for The Whale because, again, um he made that film. You can't have it without him. Um, he uh, He's just absolutely amazing. And I'm not saying that we could put anybody else in any of these other characters and it would still be amazing. But I just feel like that this, this is, this is the, this is the right choice for, for a lot of reasons. And so um, Austin Butler, I, you know, if you win, I won't be mad at you because, you know, you've been, you know, he's done so well with a lot of uh, all the other awards, but Brandon Fraser for me, um, I'm, yeah. I'm going with it. Yeah. Brandon Fraser is probably my favorite here in this category um, and a category that's, that's tough again. Um, like I guess I kind of going into it, we kind of, you know, once we hit like really ramped up into award season, we kind of, you know, we're just like, Oh, Brandon Fraser for the whale is going to win all these things. And then Austin Butler started winning all the things. And sometimes historically that means that the Oscar goes the complete opposite direction, right? A 180. Sometimes it goes, it goes with the, the, you know, the flow, uh, so to speak. Um, the whale is a, is a hard movie to to see without Brendan Fraser in it, but Elvis is a hard movie to see without Austin Butler in it. And that means I'm going to go with Austin Butler. Uh, we can't have the same picks on all of these, Michaela. We are covering our bases here. Um, you know, maybe Colin Farrell will win. That wouldn't be a surprise to me either. So I don't know, but Austin Butler for Elvis, who encompassed Elvis as good as someone could. I don't know. But that's that's my pick. And that leaves us with one, Michaela. One more category to go. It's a it's a big one. We did. We talked about all of these over on our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash drink the movies. You can go there, um, get subscribed. We do bonus content, a bonus episode every month, hangouts, all that sort of stuff. But this uh, kind of the last six weeks or so, we did little mini episodes about all 10 of these films. So go uh, get subscribed. You can listen to those if you want to get a little uh, refresher on any of these. That's a certainly a good way to do it and a really good way to support your uh, you know favorite podcasters out there and uh, you know things like that. But uh, take it away, Michaela. We've got one left. Why don't you do the honors of bringing this thing home? Oh, thank you. So the nominations for Best Picture are All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Banshees of Innie Sheeran, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. Okay. It's yeah, really hard so... to pick a best film. <laughs> 
So it right. is it is hard it is hard to pick a best film. Uh, there are ten uh, this year. Um, uh, I, I don't know this this one is is a little tricky. Um, we certainly have kind of our favorites, our sentimental uh, favorites. We have kind of the the. I don't, I don't know the, the award-winning uh, darling and something like the Banshees of Inishirin. We have something that, you know, kind of everyone assumed had this in the bag in the Fablements uh, when it was kind of announced that it was going to come out. You have other stuff that's just absolutely uh, brilliant in terms of filmmaking. You have things that are, you know, transcend box office results and, you know, what could potentially keep movie theaters from dying out completely and Avatar and Top Gun. Um but I don't know, a lot of a lot of times and going through this list, it's a real fine balancing act of going with your heart and going with your head. Uh, but this year, Michaela, I have the confidence in going with my heart and my head because I think everything everywhere all at once is going to win and I want it to win. Um, and yeah, but that's it. So that's at it. the center of, at the center of it all uh, is an everything bagel and everything everywhere all at once for me. But, but what about you? What do you have to say about these um, these 10 movies? We don't have to you know go over these too much. We've kind of hit on most of these, you know, throughout our uh, recording here. But but anything stand out, anything you want to say about any of these? And then you can pick everything everywhere all at once to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I thought that this was such a good um, mix of films that did all of the things that you just said. Right. We have films that did really well in the box office. We have films that uh, are just kind of strange and weird yet beautifully done. We have these really introspective, very tight kind of relationship studies. There's uh, some nostalgia in there. There's some performance. There's, um, there's, you know, just a lot. And then there's, um, and all of these hit me differently. I mean, I don't think there's anyone on here that I say, well, that's not a great film. I don't know why it was nominated. I think this year it might be the first year in a long time where we can both say, oh yeah, this was nominated for these reasons and we can list them out. Um, I am also going to pick everything everywhere all at once. I want it to win. It, it's, uh, I love the Fablemans. It, I really do. But when I look back and re rethink about the films, um, the two films in comparison to themselves, and that's hard to do. Um, I just think everything everywhere all at once uh, hits uh, me differently. Um, and it really has so much in it that it touches on and that it does so beautifully well. Um, I, I really want to see it uh, take take home the Oscar. And so we're going to agree on that one um, for better or worse. For Ooh. better, for better or worse, for sure. Um, yeah, that is uh, the best picture. It's it's a tricky one. Um, it's going to be hard to say. Uh, definitely some worthy contenders there um, in it this year. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see how that plays out. So those are our picks, our our uh, our Oscar picks. We have the we have the right. We have a couple films that we need to watch, so we might uh, change those. There are, there are a couple we still need to see. Michaela still needs to see um, women talking. So I don't know if that's going to change her mind on any of these, but you know we reserve the right to change those. Certainly, we will uh, let everyone know if we if we make any changes going forward. And make sure you get your own picks in. You can go to the website, which is www.drinkthemovies.com. Uh, just go down a little bit there. There is the entry uh, link to go in to the. Type form page, put in your entries and see if you get the most correct 
picks. Whoever does is going to win the prize package. And that's pretty fun. We really like doing that and uh, giving that stuff away. It's always a good time. And, you know, we like to, we like to see how the community does, you know, cause you know, some people are insane like us, Michaela and watch all these movies. Some people are like, eh, I heard that one's good. Or I saw this one. That one's good. I'm going to pick it for everything. Uh, if you did that with Dune last year, you probably did pretty good. So um, I don't know, get in there, make those picks and see what you think. Go check out our Patreon. If you want a little bit of uh, bonus coverage and uh, probably going to do like a hangout sometime on the day of the Oscars, maybe to uh, mix up a cocktail or two and uh, talk to the patrons over there. That's patreon.com slash drink the movies. Go get on all that and follow us on social media for more kind of Oscar fun stuff as we get here going this last week and we get our last movies watched. It's, uh, you know, add drink the movies on all the things, drink the movies or facebook.com slash drink the movies. But Michaela, every year we do kind of a um, we do one snub. Cause I don't really like snubs that much because most of these things, generally speaking, are 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 pretty well well warranted. But but anything if you if you thought that there was there was a snub, I guess I already said mine. Good night, Oppie. Ridiculous. Um. Uh. So we'll do one of those, and we'll do a a stone cold lock. But the caveat is we can't say Avatar for best visual effects. You have to make a different one. Oh oh okay. Um. I, I just I just put you right on the spot. Right no, on the spot. I think. Guillermo del Toro is going to win. <laughs> His Pinocchio is going to win for uh, best animated film. Okay. Okay. I think. Yeah, I that's... think I'm locked in on that one. Yeah, that's is that, that's is that too that... easy? That might be too easy that, too. <laughs> that, that was the other one that was uh, that was uh, maybe too easy. No, that one that one is a pretty good pick. I think there is uh, kind of a scenario where maybe something like Puss in Boots wins, um, takes that out. But um, I would have a, a real hard time seeing it uh, seeing it not win uh, that category. So uh, that's going to be the lock. Any any snubs? Anything you saw this year uh, that you thought maybe was worthy to get to get nominated? Maybe not even. I don't, let's not even phrase it as a snub because that means that, you know, something else didn't deserve to be there. And by and large, I think, um, you know, we kind of make the case that most of these things, maybe not the Batman, uh, should have been nominated for things. But anything else we saw over this last 365 days that you think maybe uh, deserved a nod for something? So you and I both totally agree that Goodnight Oppie uh, should have um, been in the list of nominations for Best Documentary. Um, I think Eden Dambreen think i say that correctly he played leo in close and i do not Mm. know for the life of me why he wasn't nominated for um best actor or best supporting actor i don't know if he would have won um but oh my god i mean he i how he's like 15 he's a baby and he was so amazing um in that film so uh, uh they're also um you know, Till was amazing and I and that didn't get any accolades. And I thought that that was a really important film that also should have gotten some sort of nomination for all of the amazing things that it was. Um, the Woman King. I mean, we talked a lot about Viola Davis not getting nominated. Um, I totally agree with that. I think that that's that's a miss. Um, mm-hmm. But again, it's really hard because, right, if you say that someone gets in and you have a certain number, then that means that you know, someone has to get kicked out. And I, I'm not, I, I, uh, I want us all to win. I want everyone to win. So <laughs> I want everyone to win. But those, those films definitely deserved, uh, I think a little bit more, uh, or accolades or even, you know, uh, somewhere on the list. 
They should have been on there somewhere. So they should, they should have gotten on there. Yeah. There, there are a couple for me. Um, I don't, I don't know. It would have been, it would have been hard to have seen this uh, throw something off, but I was really impressed with it about when we saw it, which was back about the same time as the Batman came out, but the Northman uh, kind of the cinematography for that and the way that that looked, um, I really liked. And then speaking of cinematography, uh, this, this one might've been a little bit of a snub, um, whether, whether you liked the movie or not, uh, we both, really liked it and and thought pretty highly of it but the cinematography in nope uh was just uh just kind of absurd on that level so um that one i think was i don't i don't know if it was snub necessarily but you know had that been in the five that would have been absolutely warranted i think so um i don't know let us know at home if you have any snubs or any uh stone cold deadlocked predictions we want to know all that stuff and like i said make sure you get entered into the contest because it is a ton of fun and oscars are coming up on us fast and then tell us your your favorite uh decompression movie because we're going to need that after we after we get through the oscars for sure right so so yeah let us know all that stuff on uh social media and all that stuff and make sure you're following along uh get subscribed to the podcast leave us some reviews that would help get drink the movies out there get more people entered into the contest so we can all have a little bit more fun michaela where can people do that you can find us on apple podcasts spotify anywhere where anchor podcasts are distributed um if you're liking what you're hearing leave us a five-star review it helps us spread the news spread the love of both cocktails and cinema together it's an amazing thing we can't do it without you yeah Yeah, absolutely. So uh, good luck to you out there, uh, keeping your sanity as we make our way into Oscar time if you're trying to get these watched. And uh, good luck. And hopefully you have fun on Sunday. Stay safe out there and uh, make sure, uh, yeah, watch the awards. Let us know what you think and uh, all that good stuff. And we'll be back. We'll probably try to release early, maybe Monday or Tuesday next week after we uh, get the uh, recap recorded. So, um, yeah, I don't know, Michaela. Let's let's go grab a drink. We'll we'll do the coffee and Bailey's we talked about in the lobby bar this week because we still have we still have a, a bunch of hours of film to get through here before yep. Sunday night. Yep, absolutely. All right. Well, we will see everyone next time on Drink Drink the, the movies. movies. You beat me last year, but I think I've got your number this year. I think you do too. <laughs> but I'm following my heart. That's what it's all about. Following your heart. <laughs> <laughs>